Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true blue pod production. Quarterback draw. He's got running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Another episode of the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. It's Trey Smith. Brandon Holmes, welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. A podcast for the fans, by the fans. Man, full effect, bowl season, full effect. We're in college basketball. We're finishing up the little bit of tournaments we have before we start hitting conference play. Yeah. This is like the sweet spot of college sports. It's like it's like the sweet spot. I would agree. I think that we're we're in a like time where a lot of people are getting some time off from work. So they're able to consume like an insane amount of college sports, just games and all content, all kinds of stuff. I I always say I'm getting ready to go into the college football coma, the bowl season coma, because it's about to get going. Like we've already kind of gotten started. We're going to talk about some of these games that have already been played, but I agree. This is definitely the sweet spot. Um, man, hey, those of you watching on YouTube right now, thank you so much you for uh, the the interaction on Friday night, man. Like it was we, good. we, yeah, we we did a live bowl mania pick'em, and uh, dude, I think we've actually now have uh, almost a hundred people who have watched that. Like, you know, that's, that's huge. That's Listen, huge for that's huge for us because we used to only get two views on the video, so. <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't that long ago. Right. The fact that a hundred people watched that for us is like we're texting like. Oh my God! We Whoa. got ten. We got ten people watching this. We got yeah. fifty, <laughs> and it's like huge. those are like full episodes too. You know, it's not like a a a, a sidebar video like that we'll do that'll get like five thousand or ten thousand right. views where we're talking about a particular topic and it's only like you know three to five to ten minutes long. No, it's right. like a full episode, kind of like this is right here. But we are live. Leave us a comment. Let us know Come you're on. here. Hit the like. Uh, we just appreciate you right now if you're watching. Um, even if you watch for five minutes, ten minutes, we whatever, join it. us. We're just going to go till we're done. So, all right, B. Holmes, I'm going to start us off with the Blue Bloods double dribble. We'll okay. go through the basketball rundown. Just, I just, I think it's important we keep everybody informed. We talk about it. That way as uh, we get out of football season, which, man, I, I don't even like saying that. I but but Because it is, feels man, like there's still so much more to play. Football season is never really over, though, because think, once we finish the natty, we have signing day. like the And I mean, with early signing day, it kind of takes away some of the sure. of what signing day was. But we still, we'll talk about signing day, and literally like a month after signing day, we're getting ready to go into spring football. So it's like a two-month break of non-football. It's true. <laughs> two-month break of non-football, but yeah, I get you. I get you. But it, it, it seems like we're we're still so much left to play for just because so much is still at stake. Absolutely. And I think the games that we're all looking forward to watching are, are yet to be played. And yep. 
But then you look at it and go, wow, in two weeks, like we're going to be down to one game left to play. Yeah. Crazy. Hopefully Um, it's in that game. That's true. (laughs) All right. Double dribble. First off, Kentucky absolutely destroyed North Carolina. I don't know what's going on with North Carolina this year. I don't, I know they've got their new coach, um, but Kentucky just absolutely annihilated them on Saturday. Uh, Stephen F. Austin. They're they're becoming known as the giant killers. And they they made a close run at Kansas, who I think is top five right now. Um, They made a run for them. They didn't get them. But if you remember a couple years ago, a few years ago, they upset Duke around this time of the season. Um, I think Duke was number one too uh, during that game. But yeah, they're 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 uh they're starting to make a name for themselves where these teams are not gonna want to pay to play them anymore. <laughs> they're the they're giant killers. And running. Really, the only top twenty-five matchup of the weekend was Gonzaga Texas Tech. Gonzaga won that game uh, pretty comfortably, and then an upset. There was a top twenty-five upset. The Arkansas Razorbacks fell to the Hofstra Bison. I'm totally it's, making that up. I have no idea. I was just, just going to go with Bison. It just sounded right. It sounded like a fit. I'm like, yeah, the Bison. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Hofstra like in Buffalo or something? I, I don't even know where Hofstra is. I have is. no idea. I, know I was confusing Northeast. it with Howard, the Howard Bison. That's, oh, maybe I am. The HBCUs. Well, the Hogs lost to Hofstra. Here's what's crazy. Hofstra, maybe, maybe they're in D.C., but they missed, like their flight got delayed. So they flew in at like – midday on saturday i don't know like i don't i saw a report on twitter about this and they like took a nap and then came in and beat the hogs and you know hofstra's coach is speedy claxton do you remember speedy oh claxton? speedy yes yes okay guard. yes yeah he played at hofstra played for the sixers spent you know maybe a decade or so in the league you know I actually, and I said this on a video I did earlier today on our Hog Heaven playlist for for our Razorback fans like myself um, that I, I put up earlier, not, not much, I don't remember how what time it was, but earlier today. Um, well, I said that when I was in high school and middle school, like I wore number 10 as a basketball player. And like one of the reasons why was Speedy Claxton. Yeah. Um, I just, I'll never forget this move he put on a guy when he was playing at Hofstra, where it was like he attacked and captured the guy's hip. And then he did like a reverse, you know, a reverse spin and went back to back with the guy and then got to the lane. And I'm just, it was one of the most amazing moves I've seen to this day. It looked like an and one type move, but it was in the middle of a college basketball game. Anyways, he went on to play for the Sixers and um, he was also really short. And at the time, I was always one of the shortest players uh i didn't actually hit my growth spurt till i don't know my freshman year in college i'm just kidding it wasn't that late but felt like it so anyways speedy claxon and hofstra upset the number 24 arkansas razorbacks and then really to me one of the biggest stories that that we're not really hearing about uh as much as i think we probably should as it pertains to the landscape of college basketball is the usc trojans they're 12 and 0 and i mean really the pac 12 in general is trying to like make some noise this year, like saying, Hey, we're back because they've got USC 12 and 0. Uh, we've got UCLA and Arizona. And I believe all three of those teams are in the top 10 Arizona. Mm -hmm. You know, they're being coached now by the former Gonzaga assistant, uh, obviously UCLA coming off their final four run with Mick Cronin and then USC 
Andy Enfield. All right, so if you're watching this right now, you will remember Andy Enfield from a few years ago. Gosh, I say a few. It may have been like six or seven now. Do you remember B. Holmes when Florida Gulf Coast made that yes, tournament that run? Deep run? Yes. And they were just dunking on folks. They actually yeah. they were a 15 seed and upset that. Georgetown yeah. in the first round. That was a fun run. Yes. And so they got to the Sweet 16 and then played Florida. And then they ended up losing to Florida, who I think ended up going either to the final floor or to final the championship. Uh, no, yeah. They lost to uh, UConn. That was the year I think yeah. they lost to U. I think. Well, that was actually. The second game of the du the doubleheader where uh, Burks hit the game winner against Kansas. Yes. So maybe I'm getting my years mixed up. No, you're getting maybe. your years mixed up because that wasn't Burks. The Burks big shot came. No, no, no. It was that year. Was Because I was there. Yes. Burks. Really? Yes. Burks hit the game winner against Kansas. And then the next that. game was Florida versus Florida Gulf Coast really? because – yeah, I'm going to give a quick bonus story right now for anyone who's watching this. So That's really the same game. it was at Jerry World. I remember. In, yeah, so it was at Jerry World. So I was there. and Because I was trying to go. I had to work. Yeah, I think you were going to go with me maybe. Yeah, and I so, – The power's that yeah, I huh? some strings. I know. Here we go. You know Here what? we go. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sitting there and uh, so so – Trey Burks just hits the shot, sends Kansas home. Kansas fans start leaving by the droves, right? Yep. yep. As Florida and Florida Gulf Coast are, are, are warming up. So I'm sitting up in like just Timbuktu, right? Like, I mean, the players are this big. Right. And this Kansas fan walks right by me and drops a courtside seat ticket you on my lap. Yes. And I was like, I think I did because – where I was sitting, I was yes. literally like three feet away from Craig Sager. Like, I got a picture with him and everything, and it sucks because this was, you know me, like, I don't even know how to use Instagram. So this was back when the cloud <laughs> was like the big thing. And I was like, I don't really know how the yeah. cloud works. And so I had the picture, and whenever I ended up getting a new phone, I lost it. But I was right oh. there with Craig Sager. I was right behind Billy Donovan. And uh, anyways, we just talked the long way around. But Florida Gulf Coast coach at that time was Andy Enfield, who is now the head coach of USC. He has been, I think, since that season. So probably five, six years, however many it's been. But cool story about Andy Enfield is that he was a shooting coach, I think an NBA shooting coach for a couple of years, like when he started okay. breaking into the coaching world. But then he left. He went and worked for like a healthcare software company for like really? six or seven years. Yeah. And he, he, I think he became like a millionaire doing it. Um, <laughs> and, and all of a sudden just decided, you know what? I want to go back and coach basketball again. Live, and he was like an assistant at Florida state. And then he took the Gulf coast job, married a supermodel. Like he's married to a supermodel. So he's like a corporate millionaire who's writing this dude's life man. i know I, I married to, to a supermodel <laughs> spent some time over in florida you know over yeah. there coaching doing his thing then now he's at usc he's on the other coast like you that's talk a about life. a life that's that a guy's life. living that's a great life that's a great he life. he's very much an inspiration for me with the blue bloods college game time podcast yeah. i'm like hey, you know what that guy it. he we figured he figured it, it out we can, we can it do all. this <laughs> so anyways i, I always just was very inspired by his story and just thought it's very unique, kind of unorthodox. But anyways, he's got USC playing some tremendous basketball. In fact, I think they went to the Elite Eight last year with uh, 
Evan Mobley, who was yeah, like a top five pick. Had a good run last year. So, um, but yeah. And then really the only other kind of no, notable thing was that several games uh, were canceled due to COVID. Uh, there's yeah. a few top five teams playing or have played tonight. Um, you know, took care, taking care, took care of business. And uh, yeah, so there's your Blue Bloods double dribble. So B. Holmes, you, you want to get us into, or do you have anything on basketball? No, man. Uh, I think with basketball for me, it's like it's hard. Normally, I would be full in on basketball season right now, because um, Michigan's never hasn't had a historic run like this in football <laughs> in over two decades. So it's like normally I would be all in on basketball at this time of of the year, right? Because this is basketball time. But when your team's getting ready to potentially compete for a national championship, no other sport matters. <laughs> like I'm only caring about football, and it's. So, Blue Blood listeners, I will be – I'm more prepared for bat. I am. I'm going to be prepared for basketball. It's just really hard, right? Because I'm learning this thing about, like, enjoying the moment. Absolutely. And I don't know if this moment will ever happen again in my adult life. So, I am – okay, I know we're not going to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it real quick. I'm going to tell you how much this Michigan run has meant to me. The other day, no lie, I rewatched the game again, and I just, like, had tears in my eyes of joy. I was so – I've just been so happy, man. I've been so happy since that win. So I don't really have much to say about basketball right now because the only thing that matters to me is I got engaged and Michigan beat Ohio State in the same weekend. And it's just like, I just keep replaying that weekend in my mind. I'm like, I don't know how my life would get that much better, man. It's just you're just great. winning. Yeah, I mean, I'm just yeah, winning right you're now. You're winning you know? on all phases right now. Yeah, you're in the so zone. I'm in the zone. And Michigan basketball isn't playing well, which I don't care. I think Juwan had those guys ready for the tournament. Here's what I am interested about basketball, though. Um, Gonzaga, can this be the year that they do it? Like, and I've, you know, I've been watching them. And we've been, here's the thing. I've actually gone from a Gonzaga lover to a Gonzaga kind of hater, per se. Mm. Um, I love Gonzaga as a kid from, um, what's my man? Uh, Morrison? Um, nope. Before Morrison, they had the point guard, Dan Dickow. Like oh. I'm talking about Dan Dickow. Okay, okay. Love, loved Gonzaga. Dan Dickow loved him with Adam Morrison. Like I've always kind of rooted for them, and then it's kind of like I don't know where the switch happened for me with Gonzaga. It had to happen within like the last two years, I would probably say. Where I'm kind of like, you know what it is? I think because they kind of lost the Cinderella like allure yeah. to me. You know, it's like okay, you expect it now. You expect it now. It used to always be the good story. Now it's just kind of like okay, Gonzaga, and then. I think watching them go undefeated so many years in a row because they play in a weak conference is kind of like, eh, all right, man. Like, it was cool a couple years ago for a decade. You guys have been the same team for a decade. You blow your conference out. You come to the tourney every year. Everyone's like, is this the year Gonzaga mm-hmm. does it? And then they just never do it. So I'm kind of – I sense I'm a hater. Um, I'm just not really, like, sold on them. So I'm kind of interested to see how this is going to play out. The Shet Holgram kid, though, he's really impressed me. I didn't know if he was as good as he – you know, everyone said how good he was, but I'm like, it's you're seven foot and kind of athletic in high school. It's right. hard not to be good. Um, but I've been very impressed with like how he looks. I think basketball this year, this is what I do love about basketball now, though, Trey. Mid majors have caught up with major programs because mid majors develop kids. So well, they the might COVID not, year. Yeah, especially, and you get another COVID year, so you get another, uh, you get some more experience. But it, it was like an interesting trend I was reading about like a couple years ago. How like mid majors because they go get the two star, maybe mm-hmm. the three star kid, the kid that's not going to be one or two and done. They're going to play four years, maybe five. Some take the redshirt year, then they develop. How they're like really closing this gap 
That's or right. like these um, big time programs. So I actually have been enjoying college basketball a lot more because like you see it in stuff like Stephen F. Austin's who are like, yeah. who who really are like, no, we've been playing together three, four years. Like they remind me of kind of like the NIU team, the Northern Illinois team from, uh, or was it? No, Northern Iowa, excuse me. Yeah. Um, yep. that, that team from a couple years ago who were like a team full of fourth and fifth year guys that mm-hmm. uh, had a great run. So that I think college basketball, I am excited because I think the COVID year adds a little twist because now you got a lot of guys who are super seniors. Yeah. Who, uh, that's another year of development, another year in the weight room. And that, like all that stuff adds up. And I think we're going to have some really good. I think this March Madness might be the best March Madness we've seen in a very long time. Well, to your point, you know, um, I've read probably the same article where it was saying how those guys in their fourth and fifth year are evolving to the, you know, the equivalent of a four star, five star guy mm-hmm. fresh out of high school in, in, in some cases. And the thing about basketball that's different from, say, football is that skill is the divider, right? Yeah. Like you always want to have size, you always want to have athleticism, you want to have length, but in basketball, skill is the divider. And so if you can develop a skilled team of players, you're always going to have a chance against teams that may be much more athletic, bigger, you know, more prominent than you. And that's right. what I think is happening is is these mid-majors with the use of the COVID year and developing, right. but then also the use of the transfer portal. Right you're able to develop your skill set and I mean, let's just call it what it is. Nowadays in basketball, kids coming fresh out of high school, these top recruits, most of them don't really know how to play the game. game of like right. they're really good players individually, right. but they don't necessarily understand how to play the game. game and right. so I think that that's another thing where you bring a kid in who's been in a college system for four or five years. Like they understand spacing they understand off ball movement they mm-hmm. understand how and when to set screens like most kids coming out of high school the only thing they know is either how to set a ball screen or or how to call for one right you know what i mean <laughs> and, and that's just call. kind of the state of where where basketball is at um currently you know yeah. with a lot of the aau stuff and a lot of times with that you don't really have either the coaching or the time to really start teaching those Right. basic fundamentals some programs do don't get me wrong but right. some of them they literally only play together on the weekends like that's they don't it. practice they don't do anything so it's just hey my guy's gonna be better than your guy anyways i'll get off that soapbox but if you're not a basketball fan you're watching just remember skill is the divider in the game of basketball all right man let's go football Let's talk football. about football. Let's talk about football. College that's football, where, baby. That, that's where my head is still at. My head is still <laughs> in the football season. Let's get to it. Until Michigan loses. Um, and maybe they don't. But, man, uh, bowl season, man. I want to come off the game. Man. I watched, uh, well, if you guys watched our bowl special, which was phenomenal, all 80 of you that watched, we appreciate yeah. that because that was a full episode. So we, we don't say 80 like, oh, man, we're like 80 people watched that. We Dude, are, we're doing uh, cartwheels. <laughs> right. Backflips. We, we are super excited <laughs> about that. But, um. Man, we were talking about NIU versus Coastal Carolina. That was a flat-out good – I mean, that was a good high-scoring game, some MAC action, some Sunbelt action. Now, I want to talk about the end of that game. I think I was texting you during that game. Yep. Um, Because Northern Illinois, they, they kind of – to me, they gave that game away. It was theirs to win. But it was the last play of the game. The guy catches it. The ball rolls. He kind of, like, goes out of bounds, but the ball runs out of bounds. And – they start the clock early, 
So, because I'm watching it on the screen, the ref's like, he's doing the run the clock. And before the ball really sets, the clock starts moving. And so NIU runs out of time. Then Coastal Carolina, which is a smart thing to do. Our coaches, we saw ourselves in high school. If it's too close, just run on the field anyways. Nine times out of ten, you're kind of putting the pressure on the ref to just end the game. <laughs> um, and that's what Coastal does. But, man, that was a really, really good football game. I was really impressed. Rocky Lombardi, former Michigan State quarterback. Um, he's a former Elite 11 guy, too. Um, so talk about going from, like, Michigan State to Northern Illinois. But, man, that was just a flat-out good football game. Big shout-out to Coastal Carolina, man. That was their um, first bowl win ever as a program. Um, so that was, like, a that was a really, really, really big win. So super excited for that. Um, I think that was a – I think that that was that. So – I just sent you a text uh, yeah, as it. we're live and rolling. Um, well, I'm going to talk about uh, the next game then was uh, App State and uh, Western Kentucky. So I picked App State, and if you watch the Bowl Mania, I specifically said I got App State in a shootout, a high-scoring game. It was a high-scoring game, and it was a shootout for a good portion of the game, and then Western Kentucky just went off. Think one fifty nine to thirty eight, and the story of the weekend as it pertains to the bowl games was Bailey Zappi set the NCAA record for passing yards in a season and passing touchdowns in a season. Sixty two touchdown passes, almost six thousand yards passing. That's crazy. That's NCAA video game numbers. Five thousand nine hundred sixty seven yards. He threw six touchdowns in the game. Here's what I loved about this guy. So. He started his career at Houston Baptist. I had read that that was the only opportunity he had to go play college football. Started at Houston Baptist, threw for 73 TDs, 73 touchdowns in three seasons at Houston Baptist. So in three seasons, he threw for 73 touchdowns. Comes to Western Kentucky as a transfer and almost, you know, I mean, throws for 62 in one season. We mm. talked about the offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley. You've talked about him on a, a Texas Tech video that you made because he is now moving uh, to go be the offensive coordinator for uh, McGuire over at Texas Tech. That's where Kitley's from. But this game served as a reminder to me that coaches don't make the players. Players make the coaches. Because on our bowl mania, I said, well, they don't have Zach Kitley. He's gone. Like, I got App State. Like, that's what I use as my final, like, decision yeah. to go well they don't have their offensive coordinator when i should have been asking well do they have the record-setting quarterback playing do they have the all-american receiver playing right oh yeah maybe i'll go with western kentucky and so anyways i uh i've i i i thought that was an impressive performance i think that uh I can't remember the receiver's name, but he balled out too. And he was, I don't remember if he was first, second, third team All-American, but he was on the All-American team. And uh, man, I thought that that was a, it was an exciting game. And then eventually Western Kentucky uh, just, just took off. But I want to say that game was happening at the same time of another game, B. Holmes, that we were watching, which was Jackson State and South Carolina State. So I had two screens going. What were your thoughts on that? And do you remember what I said about the Jackson State South Carolina State game in our Bowl Mania Pick'em yeah, live yeah. video? I sent you a text to respond back to your message. Um, this is so. This is definitely a live podcast. <laughs> just like, hey, I just texted you. Check your phone. <laughs> I, 
no, we no, could just, I mean, good. we can just roll with it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, It'll make for a good yeah, story one day. Yeah, We're live. I don't know how that happened. Everything was set up, so it's frustrating me, but whatever. You know what? It's not going to win today, guys. It's not going <laughs> to win today because it's working on my end. All right, uh, by Jackson State, though, man. Um, you said this. You said, you said, um, you said, hey, Shador Sanders has taken time. There's times where he, the offense has struggled under him, which is understandable. He's a, he's a true freshman quarterback. Um, didn't get to play the spring season either. Um, and you're like, man, I think there's going to be a time that it could catch up to him. And today, that day was the day it did, man. South Carolina State, like, figured out the defense. And on top of that, man, they put up a bunch of points, man. And Shador could do nothing. From my from my vantage point, though, South Carolina State had an excellent defensive game plan for him, though. Yeah. They had an excellent defensive game. Like, it looked, I think I texted you this. I was like, their game plan is so complex. Like, I'm watching them bring exotic blitzes. They're blitzing off the end. They're blitzing corners. They're sending safeties. They're loading one side of the box. Like, I could definitely tell he wasn't used to diagnosing what he was seeing. Um, and, and, I mean, they, they made him look like a freshman. Um, yeah. But, fortunately, he'll I think he'll have three more years to kind of kind of improve on that. But, yeah, man, they ugh, South Carolina State has some swagger, man. They I said this to my buddy. I said because they were on ESPN and everyone had just been talking about Dion and Travis Hunter, and he's, like, in the mix for another five-star guy. South Carolina State wanted to come out and prove that they had something. Um, oh. And, you know, why not? You got more people watching – this H, the celebration bowl than probably ever. And it was the highest attended one. I think it was like 40,000 people came out for that game. Mm. Why not? If I'm South Carolina state and I'm that coaching staff who the, that coach who coaches South Carolina state, I'm not remember his name in a moment. It's the highest winning coach ever at South Carolina state, I believe, or one of the top. And he's an old school. So I'm sure he kind of had some like, Oh, Dion's the young pup on the block. Like, let me right. show him who you're facing. And I think that was good, man. I think all in all, though, the big win of this was for HBCUs. We saw a good quality football game. Um, yeah. We saw there's a lot of talent at HBCUs, man. So if anything, I don't care what people say. A lot of people don't like Dion, and that's fine. I love Dion. What he's doing at Jackson State, man, is helping a lot of those schools get on the map because I was rather watching that game than watching some of the other bowl games. It was a very entertaining game. Yeah. Um, along with all the um, – the stuff that comes with HBC, the halftime show, like all that stuff is the thing I think college football doesn't understand how much they'll benefit from as they start bringing some of those schools mainstream. Because what we know about college football, it's a full on experience. And what HBCUs give you, when they can give you good quality football and everything else that comes, the pageantry that comes with it, to me, that's college football. Like that's, when when the big when the big guys above realize they they can tap into that they're gonna open up a door um, which we know it's about revenue like that's a whole lot more mm-hmm. revenue you, you you can bring it but it's a fun experience for the fans I don't know if our, some of our listeners have ever been to a classic but I I suggest if you find a way go to a classic at an HBCU and it will be probably one of the greatest football things you've ever experienced just the pageantry of it but man great game by uh, South Carolina State man they hey they they knew they were on national TV they handle business. Why not? Yes. Okay. Wait. Are you are you there? Yeah. I'm. I'm here. Oh man. There we go. Okay. Sorry. How did I not notice that? Like, it sounds so much better in my headphones now. <laughs> we had a little. <laughs> we had a little technical difficulty there. We're not going to edit this out. I oh, think no. we lost. I don't know if we lost anyone live for that. 
for that yeah. long of time. But you um, <laughs> hey, and if you're just listening, like on iTunes or Spotify, and you're wondering, I'm not. Maybe I will edit it out. That way, it's not like there's just this pause of ten seconds of silence. But yeah. Anyways, if you're like, what the heck? Anyways, we're back. So Jackson State, you just giving a rundown on that? Yeah. I, that was kind of my thing too going into that game. I thought Jackson State was going to win. I thought they would win comfortably. Sure. But I did mention that their offense has struggled, you know, consistently throughout the season to really get going. But they had been able to rely on their defense. And in some games, when they weren't ever able to get their offense going, their defense just picked up the slack. Well, South Carolina State, to your point, they did have an excellent defensive game plan. But man, they also had a very very well put together offensive yeah. game plan they had that receiver that went off for like three touchdowns Dude. he hit the prime end zone dance like they love they it. and that was kind of what i think was a surprise for jackson state is when they've struggled offensively they've been able to rely on their defense to just stand pat until they could finally break through the ice and get on the board well south carolina state was like uh-uh we're, we're going to make sure we we put them in a position where they have to go score. And anyways, it was, it was a, it was, it was I agree. It was a fun game to it's watch. A fun game. I think uh, there was a lot of, here's what um, I, I want to say this though. So, cause people might say, Oh, I'm not watching that. This is the type of talent. RJ Young tweeted this out. South Carolina state knocked off 11 and two and number 14, Jackson state 31 to 10 to win his first black college national championship since 2009. JSU has 12 power five transfers. Nine of those transfers are SEC guys, and eight are four stars. This mm. win speaks to the depth of talent in HBCU football. So for people who think there's no yeah. – because I, and, I just, and I want to hit on this because, man, I've been all in message boards about Travis Hunter going to JSU and how he's not going to face any talent. Oh, no, no, mm. no. These mm. schools have a lot of talented dudes. Like mm. the guy who went for 20 yards and three touchdowns, he's going to get an NFL look. He was already mm -hmm. going to get an NFL look, but actually doing what he just did on national TV is definitely yes. going to get him even more of it because he was like 6'3", 200 pounds or something. Like, he's a big dude. He's a solid dude. So I just wanted to clear that up, like, especially in the midst of the Travis Hunter signing. HBCUs have a lot of talent. They have a ton of talent. I think it's something like they have more Hall of Famers than most of your favorite colleges that mm -hmm. are in, uh, F that are in uh, FBS. So let's not sleep on it. And I think what... And then I don't know if you know, Hugh Jackson just accepted the role at yes, Grambling. Grambling. And then he just brought in a four-star guy from UCLA who's transferring in. Mm. And with Eddie George going to Tennessee State. Like, I'm really excited. And I know we got to move on to bowl games. But I'm really excited about where HBCU football is kind of getting this attention that's going to bring more funding, that's going to make them even more competitive, I feel mm. like, moving forward, man. And I think um, – Almost like the original NCAA football games. You know how you can move somebody up into Division One or play as? Yes. I, I I would not be shocked within the next decade if this trend goes, if Prime, if Prime does what we I believe Prime can do, you see one of those schools kind of make the move. They might make the move to FBS, which I think would be huge, and it'll start opening the doors for some other guys. But, um, man, shout-out to HBCU football, man. Some good football this year for sure. Or or, or at least let them compete in the, uh, in the playoff. playoff. Like push everything, maybe it's like push everything back a week, and then the celebration bowl winner. See, but then why limit it to just one team? Like, why not? Why not merge it? And yeah, I mean, because I mean, could could FAMU, fam, could could Florida A and M, FAMU, or uh, uh, 
South Carolina State, I mean, could they not go maybe make some noise in the FCS playoff? Really, like, man. Let's see how that goes. I think we got to figure, because they have three years left on their deal with the Celebration Bowl. Because I read okay. an article. There's three years. But, and we can move on. I know we've been on this tangent. But I think with the success that Prime just had this year and then what we saw South Carolina State, and now the, the, the talking heads of football are like, wow, that was a really good game. Mm-hmm. I, I could see the Celebration Bowl finding some type of loophole that says, hey, if one of these teams qualifies to make it into an FCF, and I don't know, I don't understand the logistics of how that playoff works, but if one of these teams qualifies to do that, um, because isn't North Carolina A&T? No, no, that they, they are HBC, but they didn't make Anyway, there's a North Carolina team that makes it. But I think the Celebration Bowl will find a loophole because they're starting to see, they want they want to show the world that the HBCUs can compete with the best of the best in their um their realm of college football. So I think something's going to happen relatively soon, especially if Dion's involved. Yeah. Okay, well, moving on, we had Fresno, UTEP. I had Fresno winning that game. It was a lot closer uh, of a game, but we talked about that one. I think Fresno's coach was headed to UW. Washington. and did, Didn't we say their quarterback transferred or – Maybe I'm thinking no, of a different. No, he was. No, he was going to transfer oh, to that's Washington right. and then backed out of it. That's right. Well, UTEP gave him a run for their money, though. It's 31-24. And then uh, a big upset, or, yeah, a big upset yeah. that we – I didn't see coming, and that's BYU-UAB. BYU's a top 15 team falling to the Alabama-Birmingham and – no, nah, I said it. UAB is a well-coached team. They, they've yeah. got a good coach. Um, but they obviously have good players, as we've already right, established. Right, players right. make the coaches. And, and, and I'm looking at this BYU team going, hmm. Someone actually commented on another video I did about the Razorbacks because Arkansas plays BYU next year. Uh, gotcha, someone gotcha. was like, man, after watching uh, them play in that bowl game, I'm not as worried about that game as I was. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't want to just go off one game, but <laughs> – did you see that one? Yeah, I watched part of it, man. I told you I was watching that because UAB, I should have had my man's name. Um, they got a guy who's on Bruce Feldman's freak list, who um, uh-huh. is a big time. I think he's gonna be like a day three guy. He's like six seven, two forty, plays uh mm. edge. He's an edge guy. Um, but I did pick on our on our bowl mania, I picked BYU, honestly, because I was like, uh, they should be the more talented team. They're the thirteenth team in the country. Um, uh, Rooney, what's his name? The quarterback from BYU. I thought he would help them. Uh, Brett Romney, excuse me. Romney, yeah. Yeah, Romney. Um, yeah, I thought it was the game. I didn't, you know, I watched part of it just because I want to see this kid from UAB. But, eh, it was okay. I, I thought early, well, because UAB got out early on them, though. I, I did see that. They got out early. They scored first. And it was like every time BYU tried to, you thought they were going to kind of run away, something crazy would happen in UAB. So, it was, one, it was a classic let them hang around long enough, they'll beat you kind of games. And mm-hmm. They let them hang around long enough, and they beat them. So wasn't my favorite game, but it was a good one. And then we had Liberty, Eastern Michigan. Liberty absolutely put it on Eastern Michigan. And, dude, I'll say about that, it really sounds like Hugh Freeze is in it for the long haul with Liberty. He like I like think it. he wants to grow with that program. Sounds like they've got a lot of money that they're investing into the program. And there is, make no bones about it, there is a lot of money There's around money that program. Oh, yes. And oh, yes. <laughs> so I was trying to look up. Um, he just signed a contract extension, didn't he? 
He did, and he just got another quarterback that mm. you you talked about. Uh, I did. Uh, no, uh, Brewer from uh, – I'd have to look it up. I'm sorry. Okay. I can't think of it off the top. But obviously he's sending Malik Willis out. Um, going to the draft, baby. Going to the draft. And, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he wants to build that program up. I had read an article where he was talking about, hey, we'll go play in the a- ACC. I just need to make sure my AD knows that I need some time to go get ACC players. But right. Just hearing how he talks and hearing all the, you know, all the jobs that opened up this coaching cycle that he very well could have been a top candidate for. So maybe he is. Maybe he wants to to build that program up. They're getting ready to join the American, the AAC. That makes sense. So, and then who knows, maybe he continues to to ride it out until they get to a power five conference. Um, But we talked about that earlier this year. We talked. Well, I think I talked about Flames. it in Ole Miss when I was covering Ole Miss with Sports mm. Illustrated. About um, I read a cool article about Hugh when he was just kind of like, this was such a good move for him personally, um, mm. with his family kind of getting back to Senator who he was. If you guys don't know, Liberty is like a, a Christian, you know, private Christian university, and it's like in Virginia, West Virginia, it's in the middle of mm-hmm. nowhere. Um, but you know what? I'm, I think what we're starting to see though, man, with some of these coaches, I think this is about to be the you know, we I think Trey, we're coming out of the era where coaches are like moving so often. I think we're coming into the era where coaches are going to kind of stand firm a little longer. Like mm. you look at Mel Tucker just signed a ten year deal. You look at James Franklin just signed a ten year deal. Brian Kelly got a ten year deal. Um, I think Lincoln Riley got like a nine year deal. And like mm. if you read out the, if you read the, I read some of the language of those contracts. Like I think Brian Kelly, his buyout grows by five hundred k every year. It's like. Crazy. Same with like these guys. So I think you're about to see some, which I think brings maybe some greater parity to college football. Cause now you're like, realistically, a coach saying, I'm not probably not going anywhere. He's probably not going anywhere when he signs a 10 year deal, you know, right. and your buyout increases every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think it's good for the game. And I, and I do believe like he's probably like, I got a sweet setup. The AD loves me. The school loves me. It's bringing national attention to the school, which I went to a Christian university. Any kind of PR that's good PR for them, they're going to ride that train. Like, they're mm-hmm. going to find – like, when I went to ORU and we went to the we went to the, um, the NCAA tournament, oh, man, that was, like, the greatest PR the school could <laughs> – when I went on my official visit, it was just like, oh, man, you know we went to the NCAA tournament. I'm like, I'm a track guy. I don't care about what the basketball team is doing. But it does bring a different type of – energy to the institution like that you're at you know because i remember even when i was at oru we played on espn twice my freshman year mm. and that was a big deal for us we're like it, you remember when espn used to do bracket buster games yeah we, we yep. got a bracket buster game against um ah uh, man i'm drawing a blank but we played kyle corver's brother um oh nice so yeah it was super i got a funny story about that i have to share one day on, on the pod about how we like we this, I'll just say it right. This guy on my floor catfished one of the guys on the team, and it was the funniest, the funniest thing ever. And then at the game, he held up the sign. I was like, I'm Rebecca. And, like, the whole <laughs> team was, oh, bro, I've never told you that. Uh-uh. Oh, no, dude, such a great story. Anyways, but, yeah, I think Hugh's going to land there for a long time, man. He has a big contract. He seems to be happy. I think that's where college football is going. Coaches staying yeah. longer, for sure. Well, and Liberty basketball is pretty good, too. They've yeah. had – in fact, a kid that I coached when he was in middle school plays on their basketball team. So oh, wow. I may have to try to reach out to him, see if he wants to get on the pod. But uh, yeah, they were in the tournament last year and I think the year 
well, I guess the year before would have been COVID, but they were set to be. All right, let's move it on. Uh, Utah State, Oregon State. Utah State took care of business. I thought Jonathan Smith and Oregon State would win that game. It would have been a huge win for that program. But uh, Blake Anderson, the former Arkansas State head coach, um, man, 11-3. and I mean, that dude's a good coach. I think people around the state of Arkansas, even though it's like Arkansas, Arkansas State, whatever, I mean – most most even Razorback fans would look and go, yeah, he was a good dude and a very good coach, and yeah. I'm happy for him. I didn't pick him to win because I was thinking Oregon State would have some fire to go win that game, but he he proved me wrong. The the best part of that ball game was it's the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. He actually <laughs> played the clarinet in the pregame with the with the band. That's the best part of that ball game. <laughs> Gives you anything to get you to watch, right? Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel is playing the clarinet before his very own bowl game. Only in bowl season do you see these type of theatrics. I, I mean, it was I picked Utah State just because we had a Michigan guy on there. But I think, you know what? Utah State's becoming kind of like a springboard for coaches to get, mm. like, bigger jobs. Because wasn't um, – Matt well, no. Wells. Yeah. You're starting he to see – got dismissed from Tech. Yeah, they, they're kind of like this. That and Colorado State seems to be, like, two programs that if people can kind of, like, do well at – they kind of get the call up, oh, but you know, shout out to you. You want to know State. another one? Who's that? Arkansas State. If you look, that is. I mean, Gus Malzahn, Hugh Freeze, now Blake Anderson. Even though I, I mean, it's not like he went and took a big time job. He rumored though was close to getting the Missouri job before they hired Ooh. Drink. I, I do remember that, but uh, who wants to go to? Yeah, Missouri, Arkansas man. State's kind of another another program like that. In fact, Drink was an assistant at Arkansas State, I believe, with Malzahn. So that's three oh, right guys. there. Um, anyway, so moving on to the New Orleans Bowl, we had Louisiana taking care of business over Marshall, 36-21, to 21, winning their 13th straight game. This is the longest win streak in Louisiana's program history that they will carry into next season, even though they will be without – head coach Billy Napier, who, as we all know, is at Florida. But what a heck of a season they had. I feel like Louisiana going 13-1 and one is something that I've done a time or two in NCAA football. 14, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one of those teams because you know you can go there and, like, recruit your st- – like, it seems like in NCAA 14, Louisiana, like in real life, is one of those schools – one of those states that when you recruit in the video game, even great, talent. it's just influx of talent and you can build a pretty prestigious roster without even having to recruit anywhere else. And so you get that little pipeline bonus. The pipeline you know? bonus. You, it's if, extra if you're, if you're in the NCAA game, you know what I'm talking about. You get, the, you get the bonus. pipeline bonus, but yeah, that'd be one of those schools. So you had Marshall in that one. I did have Marshall, man. I was just trying to, because they always seem to play competitive. And then I thought the loss of Napier was going to be way bigger than play a bigger factor. Clearly it didn't. Clearly Louisiana came out, took care of business. Um, I mean, I I just kind of need my words on that one. I was just like, oh. Because normally, you know, most teams when they lose their head coach, they kind of like, they they don't come out as hot. So that, that's the only reason I kind of had that. So, All right. So I've got one last topic for us to discuss before we end this episode and, 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 and stop this live stream. Okay. Urban Meyer. (laughs) So, Oh yeah. And and I'm going to say this, the player that came out with the story, Josh Lambeau, like I know him, like I know Josh. And and there was a time where like, I mean, 
we were actually really close, like close buddies. Um, he has a tremendous story. He does. Like, like going from FC Dallas, he was a professional soccer player to AM. And I'm telling you right now, B Holmes, and anyone watching or listening, we will get him on this podcast um, um, to tell that story at some point in time. Some I actually point, reached yeah. out to him when all this stuff was breaking about the him getting Urban. kicked and yeah. and he was like, Man, I don't want to talk to any more media about um about this story. I said what I had to say. I was like, nah, man, not about Urban. Come on and talk about <laughs> your journey. You know, so we're kind of going back and forth on that. I'm trying to set it up. I do think once uh I think once we hit that 1K subscriber and and kind of uh we'll be you know we're official, man. Be be a little more. So I I I'm speaking it though. We're gonna get him on here to tell a story because it is tremendous. Um just a great story. But anyways, Urban Meyer's out. Which, hey, before you go any further, did I yep. not say he would not make it to the end of the year? You did. Thank you. That's all. You most certainly did. That's all. And I'm sitting here going, does this put more pressure on Steve Sarkeesian, Marcus Freeman, and I'll even go ahead and say Ryan Day. Mm. Or is he done? Did, mm. Was this the demise of Urban? This what do you what, think? This is what I'll say. I've been really back and forth. I didn't, here's the truth, guys. We, I did not know Trey was going to ask me this at all. Nope. But I, I have been pondering about Urban Meyer since his dismissal. So I, I think my answer to this question is kind of maybe twofold. Um, one, I think this showed us ex who I've always believed Urban Meyer to be. Uh, winning in college football just cures and covers a lot of things up, right? You mm -hmm. don't just all of a sudden become that because you go to the NFL. I think right. when you're winning, a lot of stuff, especially in college athletics, gets overlooked. Um, mm. This is what I'll say, though. I would like to say that in the for the integrity of the game and I'm and I'm a big guy of second chances all that like so hear me hear me out I'm not trying to say he should be outcasted or whatever um but I believe for the integrity of the game I would be highly disappointed if a team hires him but I'm not going to be shocked if a team hires him because we know this for a fact college football is not about the amateurism that the NCAA claims it to be it's about money it's about money, revenue, all that stuff. It's a billion-dollar industry. And Urban Meyer is a guaranteed he's going to get you millions upon millions of dollars when he steps into a program. Now, this, though, this is where this is different, Trey, that I don't know if I would take a risk because he just became that much easier to recruit against. Now, before, because, listen, if Urban Meyer, if I'm a head coach, if I'm a coach recruiting against Urban Meyer now, and this isn't spiteful, this is just what I would say. To a, if we're in a head-to-head -head battle with a top kid, I'm going to go into that kid's house and say, okay, that's fine. So if we're talking about leading young men in this, in this phase, you're trusting us with your child to lead, mm -hmm. and you're a parent, Trey, so you, you're trusting me with mm -hmm. leading your child to help them grow. You're, you're letting them leave your home to come to essentially my home and pour into this child. You trust a man that was okay with domestic violence on his staff and 
essentially came out, he covered it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're talking about a guy who essentially has mistreated his players, i.e. the Lambo situation, and more guys coming out. Marvin Marvin Jones had to have staffers talk him into playing mm-hmm. in a game. Some of the other stuff we're hearing, the potential of you want a man that's going to teach your how does he teach your child about respect when essentially assistants came out and said he told them that they suck and they don't know how to do their job. And then you want to talk about integrity when, hey, I'm not judging a man. I'm just saying if I'm a college coach, I'm saying this. I'm not judging a man. We saw what he did when he went back to his bar in Ohio instead of flying back with his team. So if I'm a if I'm an opposite coach, I think it becomes that much easier. But I do think this. It wouldn't shock me if he goes back. I think that I think somebody needs to give give it a year. Because people have short term memories these days. You give it a year, max two. Somebody, I, I wouldn't, I'm telling you now, somebody's gonna kick the tires on the Urban Meyer thing. It just depends. I think he gets away with it at Texas because I think he could get away with it at Texas because of who kind of runs that. We know who runs Texas. It's the donors mm-hmm. and those kind of, I'm not, I don't know guys, know those guys, but in former situations, those are the type of guys that are kind of like, ah, you know, the media's overreacting, like by, you know, they're soft, they're helicopter parent, you know, let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's hire them. I don't know if Notre Dame touches him because of their image. Notre Dame's a big image school. I don't know. And I believe Ohio State in a heartbeat. And I believe in a heartbeat they would hire Urban Meyer back. And I don't even think they think twice about that. But I do say this. In the sense of where college athletics are now, in the sense where you got to remember the last time he coached, there was no transfer portal. Not like it is now. There was no NIL deals. Not like it is now. The players didn't have leverage like they do now. And then I think in the sense of the consciousness of the players that are playing now, it would be hard-pressed for a lot of parents, I think, to okay. say yes. I, I've i got a response to the recruiting uh, take you just made. But before I, 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 I share my response, so what is your answer? Does does him being now on the open market, and like you just said, being a year, taking a year break, because mm-hmm. that's what I believe he'll do too, goes back to the booth or maybe just goes, completely Sits. goes under the radar, yeah. off the grid. Does that put more pressure on Steve Sarkeesian entering year two, Marcus Freeman entering year one, and then Ryan Day, well, we know where he's at. I think it puts more pressure on Sark and Day than it does Freeman. I don't think okay. Notre Dame touches him at all. Personally. Okay. So here's my response now to what you your take on the recruiting piece. I think in a perfect world, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I think on paper, it makes perfect sense. The problem is, I think that the NIL and transfer portal is something that would work to Urban Meyer's advantage because everybody wants to invest in a winner. And so nobody's going to bring more money to the table than somebody that they believe wholeheartedly. Because here's the reality. Here's what you can't mm-hmm. take away from Urban Meyer. He's a winner Flat at the out. college level. Flat at out. the college level. Flat now, out. regardless how he does it, regardless how he runs his ship, like, and that's what they pee. Yeah. <laughs> regardless how he runs, how he how he runs his organization, like, He's won everywhere he's ever been. True, true. And unfortunately, 
I believe that the parents that hear that from an opposing coach are going to go, yeah, but he can get my kids all that be that as it may, we're going to go make seven figures. If we go this way, even though it's technically against the rule, um, for, for teams to use NIL in recruiting and to arrange, you know, prearranged deals in recruiting. That's why it's all going to be done through agents. Like I had a whole video on this, particularly about Sam Pittman signing with Jimmy Sexton and, and, it was more for the Arkansas fan base, but it's relevant to the national landscape of what's yeah. going on because he made a chess move. True. You know, he's coming and he said, this is going to be his last job. He'll cost himself a lot of money and, and said all these things that I believe are genuine. Then he signs with Jimmy Sexton, who's like notorious for milking colleges for every dime for their yeah. last penny. However, it was, it wasn't about the money. I don't believe it was more about the recruiting because the reality is now coaches are going to be relying on their agency representation to help orchestrate these deals to help get kids to come to their university. Now, is that considered, is that a loophole that's legal? Is it, it, I mean, the reality with the NIL stuff is that it's the same stuff that's been happening since the beginning of time. It's just now there's a legal like avenue for it to happen through. Right, right. And so for Urban Meyer, and now what that's done though, is that's changed the motivation of a lot of kids and their parents true. and their parents. That is true. They're going to go where the money is. And I'm not going to be the one to determine if that's right or wrong, but right. it's the reality of where we're at. So I believe that Notre Dame, Texas, and Ohio State would all three hire Urban Meyer in a heartbeat because they know that he will come into either of those programs. He would win and winning brings in dollar bills. True. Dollar bills now bring in top recruits. True. Top recruits equate to wins on the field. And so I, I hear what you're saying with the Notre Dame image stuff. Um, man, I just I just think they wouldn't. I mean, he's he's got he's he's Catholic. He's yeah. got he's an history boy, with Notre Midwest Dame. Guy. Yep. And I think if Marcus Freeman, for whatever reason, were to go, you know, eight and four, seven and five. Um, whatever his first year yeah. and they think they can go get Urban Meyer. So I do think it puts pressure on him. I do think it puts pressure on Steve Sarkeesian. I oh, think there's definitely. already pressure on him right now. I said because, that at the top of the season. That's right. Because here's the thing. Everyone's talking about his recruiting and what he's doing at Texas. The people who run Texas aren't giving Steve Sarkeesian credit for those recruiting classes, no. okay? They may do it publicly just to save face, but the reality is if he doesn't go win this year, they're going to go look for a guy that can come win with the talent that they feel they're responsible for bringing in. That's how that program works. That's why they can never get out of their own way. Yep. And then, of course, to your point, I 100% agree that Ohio State wouldn't even blink they wouldn't even about blink. bringing him in to replace Ryan Day, especially if, as you've already said, Ryan Day loses again to the Michigan Wolverines. I'm telling so, you, I believe that. I think he goes to We're, Texas if anywhere, though, bro. I, I and think you also said that. I said that week, week one, one week I two, think he, whatever. This is why, though, and then I know we got to end. But like you said, Sark is on a short lease. Even Sark's best recruit this past season, Xavier Worthy, he doesn't get if Xavier meets the qualification standards to get into Michigan. Whatever, whatever happened in that mess, he doesn't even land Worthy because Worthy was going to be an early enrollee at U of M. So whatever. But with Texas going to the SEC, you know those Texas regents and those Texas donors 
are not trying to be the laughing stock, especially with what Jimbo was doing at AM. Jimbo just landed the number one recruiting class in the country. Jimbo just beat Nick Saban. He just beat Alabama. Jimbo was making that team very competitive, right? There's no way they'll stand and let AM, who they hate more than anybody, who to them they see them as their little brothers, do better. And so I think if there was a ranking, and I'm done after this, if there's a ranking of who he lands, I would go Texas one, I go Ohio State two, I go Notre Dame three. I think Notre Dame might give Freeman two years. I think I still think he has a short leash. I don't disagree with that. Um, but I think Texas is probably if I, I think Texas is licking their chops. And I really don't think they loved Sark. They just had to do something to get rid of Herman. And I, mm. I felt like Sark was like a plug. Like, okay, we'll swing in the dark. If he connects, great. We look like the genius. Right. He gets the redemption story. But if he doesn't, because uh, he's not really, he doesn't fit the mold of what a, you said this early about what a Texas head coach needs. You're a politician. You have to be mm-hmm. able to kiss the baby, shake the hands, and then win a bunch of football games. The only other guy in my lifetime I know who's done that well was Mac Brown. And mm-hmm. Urban Meyer, as much as I can say about him, whatever, he plays the politics games better than anybody. In the college world, he fits Texas. He fits Texas. He fits Ohio State. And I think Texas, like you said, I think that's their number one look right now. Like, we'll give Sark this year. If we go 7-5, and five, and if we lose to OU one more time, they're on the phone with Urban in a heartbeat. Yeah. Last question, then we'll sign off. And we don't, you don't have to explain it, just kind of flipping now. What current college head coach could go have success in the NFL? There's only one. Jim Harbaugh. Ooh, he's already had. There's only, there's only one. There's a graphic. You guys can go. I don't know. Maybe I can find it and throw it up. All the guys who've left college go to the NFL. The only one who's done well was Jim Harbaugh. Well, Pete Carroll. Oh, excuse me, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll wasn't on that graphic. That's why. But Pete Carroll. And yeah. then if you go way back to like if Jimmy. You, yeah, know, and all, all those all guys. But, but I think when we're talking like the last decade to two decades, mm-hmm. right now, a guy that goes, mm, actually, I don't have enough of a sample size. But I, w- I would say it's a dark horse. You would not expect him to say this. It's a dark horse. I'm going to say this because of where he won at. It's Billy Napier. Uh, okay. I like Napier. If you can build a strong culture at a small program like that, like Louisiana, and do what you did there, and then those guys still play their butts off even when you're gone, to me that's – because NFL coaches are you're, – you're, you're like a CEO almost, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, because you got the talent. You just got to make sure the culture of the company is good. And when you have that and you put other guys around you. So if I had to pick somebody that's never been off the top of my head, I go, I, uh, I like Napier. I would give him a shot if he does well at Florida. Well, you know mine. I yep. Dabo Swinney. I just think he could. I, do I think he could go build a culture. I think he could build the relationships he needed to build. Hire. He'd have to hire a very quality staff. Go send Dabo to the Raiders, send Dabo to Jacksonville, send Dabo to uh, the Bears who are probably about to be open. I I would love to see Dabo in Vegas. 
I saw it would either be an absolute disaster, disaster or it would be a match made in heaven. I saw there's no in between. Maybe, I should have texted to you. They're like, Davo runs Clemson like an extension of Christian summer camp. And it made so much sense to me. I was like, that's what it is with Davo. He's like the Chris, the corny Christian camp. That is Davo. That's why I don't think he works in the NFL. Because Clemson, and we are Christians, by the way. We both were those Christian yeah, camp we guys. Were. So hey, make I'll, sure we make sure you, people yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we were both youth pastors. Okay, so I, <laughs> I'm the quintessential corny youth pastor guy, right? <laughs> like, so I can say this from experience. That's when I remember we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "What is it with Dabo?" That same day, it was I saw last the, week. It was yeah. last week. I saw the tweet that day, and I was like. That's what it is. He runs Clemson like an extension of a Christian summer camp. And that's why I can't stand him because I was a part of that. It is so annoying. That's why back cringeworthy memories, memories, man. That's why I don't think Dabo does well in NFL. I'm like, these guys are going to be like, you don't get out of my face, Dabo, which are all shucks. Nobody believe in that over here. I don't want no freaking slide in my workout facility, Dabo. I don't care about that. (laughs) I don't know, man. man. I don't. I think it. I think it could work. You might be right. I think it could work. Well, you know, because I was comparing it. Uh, I'm not gonna, I, obviously, I was making the comparisons to Jimmy Johnson, but there's also some Barry Switzer type there just with without all the drama. You know, players loved Barry Switzer. He just had too much, yeah. at least in his time in the NFL. He just had – and he was not in control of that thing. No. Anyways, hey – that's it, man. Y'all have a good night. Have a Thank great Thank you for night. tuning in. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe. <laughs> if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, if you're someone that's just a pure listener, man, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Start watching our videos. Like yeah. You'll get a lot of bonus content there. But if you're just someone that's committed to your Apple Pod or your Spotify, at least go give us a rating on there. Write a review. Yeah. Say something nice. You know, I appreciate Help it. us get to the top of the, the, the algorithms or whatever it is. But we're onward and upward, baby. Um, it won't quite be New Year's. No, no. But, hey, everyone have a Merry Christmas. Um, enjoy time with your family because we won't be recording again until after Christmas. So, Wow, really? Yes. Yeah. Today's the 20th. Yeah. Today's the 20th. You're right. My bad. Yeah, so we're, we're almost to Christmas Day. But, hey, uh, that's all I got. Hey, last thing, man, and we're out of here. Yo, this is, um, man, thank you guys for all your support. Dude, we are up to 700 plus subscribers, man. That's a big, that's a big deal for us, man. That, that, that's a big deal for us. So thank you guys for your support. Thank you guys for watching. This has been fun. Shout out. I'm just going to do, I'm a big Nebraska fan now, man. Go big red. Nebraska shows me so much love in my videos. Like, (laughs) and I hate saying this because they support me way more than my own Michigan Wolverines. (laughs) Um, Michigan Wolverines fans are so bougie. It's so annoying. Like it's it's actually really fun to talk to a very passionate fan base like Nebraska, but who's nice? Like they're not. They don't belittle yeah. you. They, they're very nice people. Um, hey, I'm gonna call it, man. We're gonna do a game up there at, at Memorial Stadium, man. One day, Let's do, do it. it. I would. Do, I would love to do a night game. So whoever that needs to be. I saw how y'all treated Will and those boys. Them boys from Bussin. Um, and so we're, I'm going to try to build some fan base. We're going to try to build some fan base from Nebraska. So you had the blue bloods come out there, man. We'll, we'll bring some gear and some stuff, but man, shout out to Nebraska. Make sure you follow our socials. Uh, we need to go to to Lincoln and Fayetteville. Sorry. I just cut you off, but we need to go to Lincoln and Fayetteville, Lincoln, Fayetteville and the army Navy 2022 would be a dream come true. That'd be a dream. There it is. There it is. Come true. Hey, here's another one. 
1K by New Year's Day. That's our goal. 1K by New Year's Day. Say it with me if you're watching. 1K by New Year's Year's Day. Day. 1K by New Year's Day. Google right. gobble one of us. <laughs> Socials. Sorry, B. Holmes. I cut you off. No, no, you're social. good. Socials, man. Follow Trey at It's Trey Smith on Twitter. Follow me at Real B. Holmes. I've been kind of – I'm back on the Twitter game, man. I'm back. I've been kind of busy the last couple of days, but we're back as bowl season. Make sure you guys subscribe. Yes. Follow Blue Blood CGT. We're getting back on the TikTok game, back on the Instagram game. You know, hey, just so you guys know, it's just me and Trey. We're doing all this stuff, and we have full-time jobs. So it was end of the quarter. Social media kind of slipped, but – we're about to come back strong going to this new year and uh, stay on tune. We got some interviews coming your way. And uh, man, we got special content as always. So, man, we love you guys. Um, if your team plays this week, rest in your wins, soak in your sorrows. And until next time, we love you guys. Peace. I love college. Hey. college football. Hey. I love March Madness. Hey.